0: They're going to junior church, is that right? Yes, so kids age 4 through age 10 can go to junior church now. And parents, you can pick them up upstairs after the service. Thought I might get out of a job this morning. All right, so we're looking at the story of the man born blind... Or Yeah, born blind, blind from birth, in John chapter 9. So if you have your Bible, please open there. If you don't, you can take a Bible out of the seat back in front of you and find John 9. All my life, I'd heard it. Hey, look at the blind guy. Born blind, too bad. Rabbis and and their disciples like to debate uh, theological cases like me. We know they'd say that, that the suffering in the world is caused by sin. You sin, you suffer. But what about the one born blind? He suffers, he comes out of the womb already blind. Does he sin on the way out? Did he sin in the womb? Or is it because... His parents sinned, and the consequences were passed on to him. For the theologians, I was a tough case to ponder. But, but for me, well, I had to live with the consequences every day. And with the hopelessness, I mean, born, people born blind never get better. My mind wouldn't know how to process a color or an image, even if my eyes could give it one. And as the, our prophets put it, the, the, the one blind is, is cut off from God. We're, we're in spiritual darkness. I, I know these verses well. Take Isaiah, for instance. All who make idols are nothing. The things they treasure are worthless. Those who would speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame. Who is blind like my servant and and deaf like the messenger I send? Who is blind like the one in covenant with me? Blind like the servant of the Lord. Born blind. Born in sin. Born in spiritual darkness. That's who I was. I'd I'd beg. I'd plead for a few crumbs from others every day. I, I was just a loser. I was a nobody. Until Messiah comes, I'd tell myself. Isaiah gave me hope because he talked about a time when when God would save his people. In Isaiah 35, here, here are the words. For years I'd known them well and I'd repeated them to myself. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. When Messiah came, he would open our blind eyes. He would lead us out with celebration and singing. Then one day, let me tell you about it. I was begging in my usual spot. I heard some commotion down the street. And and uh, I called out asking what it was about. Someone said Jesus was coming. I'd heard about Jesus. I'd heard about the controversy. He, he was a self-styled Teacher reputed to be a healer and a miracle worker, and here he came down my street. <clears throat> my heart beat more quickly. I heard him and his followers coming closely. I heard them talking, and one of them—later I found out it was Jesus—was saying something about being light for the world. Then it got quiet, and and I wondered what was was happening. Then I heard someone spit. <sighs> I I winced. I've been spit on before. But but I didn't feel anything. Then quiet again. And then I sensed someone coming closer. and, And then warm mud on my eyes. Yuck. Go, that same voice said. Wash it off in the pool of Siloam. The pool which means scent. People had claimed or, I'm sorry, they, people said that Jesus claimed that he was sent by God into the world. I may be blind, but I'm not stupid. Sure, I'll wash the mud off. Who wants muddy eyes? And maybe, just maybe, name in the leper. Do you remember him? He washed and his leprosy was cured. So off to Siloam I went to the pool that our our priests dip water from each fall as they celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles and they pour it out in the temple, representing water poured out in the wilderness, God giving His Spirit for we who are thirsty ground. Yes, I would wash. And so I went to Siloam and I washed. And when I did, I could see... Yes, colors, blue, green, yellow, images, people, trees, sky, birds. Incredible. For the first time, I could see. I I ran all the way home. I couldn't wait to see my street, my house, my my family, my neighbors. Boy, would they be surprised. And they were. Some of them didn't recognize me. I, I think at that moment, my complexion, my countenance had so changed. Can you believe it? They started arguing about whether I was really me. They asked what had happened to me. And I told them the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. And he told me to go to Siloam and wash. And I went and I washed and then I could see. They asked where this Jesus was. I told them I didn't know. Before I knew it, several of them were were encouraging me, were coaxing me to come with them. I was so disoriented, used to, to feeling, to groping, to remembering my way along, and now suddenly I was seeing so many strange yet yet familiar streets and, and buildings and images and sights that I went along in a wondrous daze. Where I wound up was before a circle of concerned faced men. They were Pharisees, I surmised, and uh, they weren't happy. You see, the day that this all happened was a Sabbath day. That man, Jesus, had healed my eyes on a Sabbath. He had done work. He had practiced medicine. He had needed be, be it dough or, or mud, it didn't matter. It was work. It was forbidden on the Sabbath. This man, Jesus, was a Sabbath breaker. And it was because of me. I wondered whether I was in trouble, too. The Pharisees began my interrogation. How did you come to see? They asked. He put mud on my eyes, I said, and and I washed and now I see. This alone was enough to bring division among them. They began debating and arguing. Some said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Others asked, "But, but how can a sinner perform such signs? Then these learned holy men, these men of deep insight into spiritual matters, They they turned to me, to me, the the man born blind. And they asked me, what do you have to say about him? It was your eyes who he opened. I thought quickly, I had said that this, this Jesus was a man, but he wasn't just any man. No, no, I guess he must be a prophet. After all, he healed me, a man born blind. Well, I wonder why they even asked me, though, because, you know, they didn't believe me. Not only did they not believe Jesus was a prophet, they they didn't even believe that I had been blind and had received my sight. Can you believe it? So, So they made me wait and they had my parents brought in. What a joy to see my mom and my dad for the first time. And I'm sure that they would have been joyful too if they hadn't been so nervous. You see, the Pharisees had already pronounced that that anyone who said Jesus was the Messiah would be ostracized from society, consigned to eke out an existence alone on the margins. The Pharisees demanded of my mother and father, Is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he's our son, my parents stammered, and we know that he was born blind, but, but how he can see now, or, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he's of age, he'll speak for himself. Again, the Pharisees summoned me to testify. They, they demanded that I take an oath. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. Were they accusing me of lying? Of fabricating the whole thing? Why would I do that? I I couldn't deny what had just happened. Hadn't they heard what my parents said? All this theology was making my head hurt. (laughs) All I knew was one thing whether he is a sinner or not, I said, I do not know. One thing I know I was blind, and now I see. Then they asked me again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Were they blind? I was getting nervous. I was getting angry. So I said more than I should have. My tongue always has a way of getting me into trouble. I've already told you and you you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become their disciples too? I asked. That did it. Now that I'd said that, I realized that I was in trouble. In trouble for getting healed on the Sabbath and not pretending it didn't happen, I guess. As if a blind man, no longer blind, could pretend that he still couldn't see. They mocked me with insults. You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. I was sick of it. Sick of, of years of begging, of, of acting humble, of, of taking the scorn and the patronizing of everybody. I, I could see now. I could, I could really see. So, so I shot back. Now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from. Yet he opened my eyes. And then I gave them the conclusion that I was reaching through this whole debate. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, I said. He listens to to the godly person who does His will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. That ended my trial. They replied, You were steeped in sin from birth. How dare you lecture us? Well, at least they finally did admit that I was the guy, the one born blind. (laughs) And now that I could see, they they threw me out of the synagogue. They, They cut me off from my family, my community, my world. But Jesus heard about it. And he came and he found me. And he asked me, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he? I asked tell me so that I can believe in him. But Jesus didn't just tell me. He he showed me. After all, I could see. I was no longer blind. He showed me. He said, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. I saw him. With my own eyes, I saw Jesus, my healer. The one who, who could open the eyes of the blind, the eyes of one born blind. The son of man, the Messiah, Lord, I believe I said, and I worshiped him. And Jesus concluded for judgment, I've come into the world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. I could see it now. I understood Jesus is opening our eyes to see, to see who he really is. And in His light, to see everything else aright for the first time. He's like light shining in the darkness, helping us to see. But at the same time, He's he's like a light blinding those who claim they already can see. Some Pharisees heard Him say this. They they shot back, what, are we blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see... Your guilt remains. I can see it now. Those who claim they can see and so refuse to see are truly blind. But those who know they're blind, who will come into the light, the light will truly see. That's my story. That's what Jesus did for me. That's how a blind blind man like me came to see the light. So how well do you see? That's the question that the story is begging us to ask ourselves. How well do you perceive reality? How clearly do you see life? How good a grasp do you have on, on what is really going on around you and in you? And on what really matters in life. How clearly do you see who God is? and what God is up to, and where you stand in relation to that. This story challenges us not to be so quick to think that we see all that well, especially if we're religious, near and familiar to the things of God. In around 2004 or 2005, my mom and dad came to visit us. We were living in Vancouver at the time. And we all took a trip down to Washington State to Mount St. Helens, uh, about 25 years after the incredible eruption of that volcano. And we learned a lot of fascinating things about volcanoes that weekend. On, on, uh, um, we were also blown away as we, as we were at the. the Information Center, the the Welcome Center, uh, taking a tour, uh, by the incredible power and the immense scale of that eruption as we learned about it. One of the things we learned was that the eruption was so loud that people heard it over 600 miles away. To many it sounded like what they would imagine an atomic bomb going off would sound like. As it blew millions of tons of ash and, and gases into the atmosphere, blotting out the sun, and sent snow and water and lava and rock and dirt hurtling down the mountainside in the largest recorded debris avalanche in human history. Can you imagine what it would have sounded like standing right next to it when it went off? Well, there were people there who experienced that, and some of them survived to tell the tale. Uh, John Muchler, who's from that area, writes, a number of men and women were rescued within a few miles of the mountain, and they testified to the most amazing thing. They did not hear the explosion. Some a mile or two away thought that the darkened sky from the immediate blast was, was cloud cover and rain. How could that be? Much um, Explains, this man, John Mutchler, explains. They were in a zone of silence. Scientists explain that the incredible upward thrust of the exploding mountain also sent the sound event upward into the atmosphere, where it bounced back to Earth several times, but in intervals outward and away from ground zero. And so incredibly, anyone right next to the volcano wouldn't even know it had erupted right away if they didn't happen to be looking at the mountain at the moment that it happened. This reminds me of what Jesus quotes in the prophet Isaiah. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. It was possible to stand right in front of Jesus and yet not hear his words and not see who he was. And I would add that it's possible to be very close to the things of God and to be blind To their spiritual realities. The Pharisees in this story are proof of that. But that wouldn't be true of us, right? We believe in Jesus. We aren't blind. We can see. And what does Jesus say? If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. For judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see And those who see, he means those who claim to see, will become blind. He's trying to make us think twice, isn't he? He's trying to get us to second guess whether we really can see. You know, I think this is a relevant word for evangelicals today. Because we have gone on record publicly as claiming that we have the truth and that everyone else is deceived be they Catholic or liberal or mainline or secular or whoever. And and while I don't deny that God has, has been gracious enough to help us to see some things that others don't see, the danger is that along with this insight comes arrogance and cockiness and smugness. So we think we're better. We think that we're right and they're wrong. We can see clearly and they're deceived. We think that, that we have nothing to learn from those who disagree with us. We think God is on our side. And you know, the sad truth is that this attitude is prevalent among evangelicals. And it's part of what's given evangelicals a bad name in America today that, that has turned people off to church, that has, has kept some of them from seriously considering Jesus. And the danger is that like with Mount St. Helens, we religious people can be so close to God that like the Pharisees, we can think that we see and yet we can have lost sight of what God is really trying to show us. And if you've read your Bible, then you know that God is just the kind of God with whom this could happen. After all, God has this habit of revealing himself to and through those who, from a religious point of view, we might vote least likely to succeed. Think about it. The God of the Bible uses tax collectors, foreign enemies, prostitutes, even a donkey to get his message across. And so for us who have grown comfortable with Jesus, who spend a lot of time hanging around church... Are you really sure, am I really sure, that we're seeing the things of God clearly? Religion is deceptive, especially when we've spent years studying and, and learning what's true and what's right and wrong. And so we think we can see it and and we, we see others around us. Or we think we can see that others around us are, are clearly blind. But, but the problem is just when we think that we can really see, we may be becoming blind ourselves. So how do we escape this trap? How do we escape this catch-22? How do we make sure that we're not becoming blind? Well, we start by admitting, admitting or maybe assuming that we can't see as well as we think we do. That we, we don't know God very well. That like everyone else, we're prone to self-deception. We, we become teachable. We become humble. We, we realize that, that on top of it all, we serve a God who is given to surprises. Who loves to throw curveballs to work in unexpected and surprising and even scandalous ways to reveal himself in such a way that the blind can see and those who can see become blind just think of Jesus god come down conceived by an unwed teenage girl born in a stable to impoverished parents welcomed by shepherds the squeegee boards the squeegee boys of their day squeegee boys he grew up in Nazareth on the wrong side of the tracks. He was not highly educated or learned from generally, generally accepted perspective. He hung out with hookers and other sinners. He was accused of drinking too much. He broke the Sabbath, perhaps the modern day equivalent of not attending church regularly. He was put on the danger list by many of the cult watchers, the Hank Anagraphs of his day. He was crucified on a cross in utter humiliation and shame and and God forsakenness, so that even his closest disciples weren't sure that he was who they thought he was. And then he said that he'll come again at an hour when we don't expect him, like a thief in the night. Are you getting the point? Are you comfortable with this kind of God? Do you think you have him figured out? If you think you have, then Jesus says, watch out. You're blind. But if you can admit that you don't see very well, then Jesus says, look at me. I am the light of the world. I give sight to the blind. Don't, don't look at religion, even evangelical religion. Look at me, Jesus says. Look at me. And I can help you to see clearly. So will you look at Jesus? Can, can, you, can you see him? Can you, can you discern who he is? Opening the eyes of a man born blind. Saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will no longer walk in darkness. Will you let Jesus? When you're worrying about finances, whether it's where your net payment is going to come from, or whether it's your anxiety about the economy and whether you should keep your money in stocks or move them to gold or silver, where do you turn for insight? Who's your financial advisor? Do you let Jesus, the light of the world, help you to see clearly about these things? As he says, do not worry about what you'll eat or about what you'll wear. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or, or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. And do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and rust corrupt and markets crash and thieves break in and steal. Rather, store up treasures in heaven where your investments will always be safe and have an incredible return. Or what about your character flaws? Maybe you have a temper, but hey, you're Irish. You know, your whole family has a temper. It's, it's just, just the way it is. Or, or maybe you're bossy or, or controlling, but, but without pushing, nobody gets anything done. Uh, at least not to your standards, which are the right ones after all. Are you viewing your character traits by the light of the one who is the light of the world? Who says, be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. Clean the inside of the cup and then the outside will be clean as well. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Be completely humble, be gentle, be patient with others in love. But what about your sins? What about the baggage from your past that, that you're ashamed of or, or that you just can't stop doing now? And, and you're ashamed to admit it to anyone. And so you put on your brave face on Sunday mornings and then you go through the motions. Are you letting Jesus, the light of the world, shine on you? Jesus, who says, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. Come into the light, Jesus says. Don't be afraid. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. I haven't come to call righteous people. I've come to call sinners. Or is your life super busy? full of activities, full of obligations. You're often stressed. You you feel a lot of anxiety. And you never seem to have enough time for yourself or for God or, or for fun or for cultivating friendships. What does Jesus, the light of the world, say? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me and I will give you rest.